program note. Today's interview contains discussion of some true crime elements, uh, including the behavior of serial killers and all of the things that they can get up to. And I, I do mean all. So uh, if that sort of material is not your cup of tea, then, uh, well, uh, consider yourself forewarned. Here we go. Hey gang, welcome to episode 165 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf, our friends in Santa Fe, New Mexico. This week on the show, Matt Dorado, the owner and founder of Drunken Devil, which is a series of uh, immersive nightlife events here in Los Angeles. We're going to be talking about uh, the origin of the company and what's coming up with his next show, Bacchanalia, which is on October 13th, which is uh, next month since this is uh, coming out on Friday, September 21st. So just a few weeks away as we get into the heart of spooky season. Before we get too deep into it, just have a few announcements. We'll, we'll do the Patreon bit uh, at the end of these, so hold on to, to your hats. You're going to want to hear these. Uh, first up, uh, Immersive Design Summit. We're on the march towards uh, opening up applications in October, so that's uh, coming up soon. And we just announced our uh, first three speakers. Uh, they are Free Fordenam of Myco2. Uh, last week we had David Wally on the show. Free is, uh, is the, the director of business stuff over there. <laughs> That's not her actual title, but like my brain's not working and I didn't write down the notes because I'm going, I'm going by my little brain. Um, so uh, Free is absolutely amazing and uh, I'm, I'm very happy that we were able to get her on board uh, for this. Uh, Sean Stewart, who you know uh, has been on the show, he's going to be speaking, which I'm very excited about. And Jenny Cook, who is the head of production over at Dreamscape Immersive. Again, going off my brain, not my notes if I mess something up. Um, they're the folks who did Alien Zoo. She's on board. And those are just the first three people we got. So we got Myco2, uh, who've been doing this amazing activation work. We've got Dreamscape, who are doing cutting-edge embodied VR stuff. Stuff. It's everything's stuff. We've got Sean Stewart, who, as we know, uh, helped invent the alternate reality game and is uh, working for Magic Leap these days. And indeed, he'll be there in an official capacity. So that's what we've got going on just for starters. Just for starters. Just for starters, at the Immersive Design Summit, February 22nd and 23rd of next year in San Francisco at the Swedish American Music Hall and Café du Nord. All right. Before that, in December, here in Los Angeles, this one I'm very excited to announce. Uh, Leia, the League of Experiential and Immersive Artists, uh, is, now, is pleased to announce our first intensive workshop. Uh, it's going to be a weekend-long affair, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday days. Uh, Marissa Nielsen Pincus and Tara O'Conn of Third Rail Projects, yes, that Third Rail, are coming out to Los Angeles. They're going to be at Family Arts. Uh, tickets for this go on sale next week. Uh, it is 300 bucks 
yes, that's that's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it is a three-day-long workshop with uh, folks from one of the best companies in the world for immersive. Uh, class size is going to be limited, so it's going to be under 20 people. And um, the price is going to go up in October. So we're going to put the tickets on sale, and then as we get closer to the event, the, the price goes up. So you want to act fast. Uh, just so everyone knows, um, yes, I am a part of Leia. I'm one of the, one of the founders. Uh, we are not making a grip of money off this. We go like, 300 bucks. He's, he's, he's milking us. He wants Patreon money. He wants this money. He wants that money. I mean, hell one rent is expensive, but, uh, the way we roll things at Leia is the vast majority of the money goes to the artists. And there is this whole like flying people out from New York thing. So like this, this is not a simple affair. Uh, that being said, this is an incredible opportunity for those who are in LA or San Francisco, Las Vegas, San Diego. If you're, if you're on the West coast and what's been holding you back from doing a workshop with third rail is like, well, going to New York. Well, guess what? Now they're going to be here. This is an amazing opportunity. And you should check it out. Go to Leia.design. Check out the classes page for all the information. Uh, and there is a lot of it. Okay. On the site this week, there's a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, we, we got uh, a report in from um, the, the, the day's blur. So I think, I think it was this week and not last week that we got the report in from uh, Evermore. Uh, from the Evermore pre-opening party. Maybe it was last week. Uh, I don't know. I've lost track of all time. Uh, there's just There's been a ton on the site this week. Uh, Juliet uh, checked out Universal and, and wrote up for us. Uh, there's been a bunch out of New York. Catherine has, has a, a, a brand new piece that just went up yesterday. We've got interviews with the folks at Sinking Ship. Uh, who are doing their big Kickstarter for for their upcoming projects? Um, uh, Edward uh, took on the Swan Lake in London. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, didn't like it. So if you want to see what a pan looks like at No Proscenium, go check out that one. Um, and just uh, we have an interview with. Uh, with our friends over at Pseudonym Productions, who just announced No Filter, uh, which is their horrifying uh, satirical thriller, which is going to be play out online and in four cities here in the United States uh, during October. So there's just there's just a bunch. There's like more than can fit on the front page, and then some. So I encourage you to go like dive around the site and see what's up. I'm gonna have to start thinking about like how we organize the site, just because there's so much. The volume has picked up. So if you're if you don't look at the site on the regular, and I assume most people do, uh, look at the site on the regular. Subscribe to us on RSS. That's how I handle the world. RSS feeds. It's old school, but it works. Hey, you want to keep us afloat? You want to keep us going on? You want to help us with this vast amount of work that is in front of us? Help us go pro. Patreon.com slash no proscenium is how you do that. This week, Ben Smolin, Todd McClary, and Greg Venna all joined up. We are now just $49 away from our next goal of $1,250 a month. Uh, remember, the big, big goal is six grand a month. So we're really far away from uh, where we want to be. It's, I see it out there. It's so far away. Um, 
that would enable us to do all kinds of stuff, um, i.e. pay people. Oh, my God. We could be professional. That's why it's called uh, No Pro Goes Pro. Patreon.com slash No Persinium. And as always, the standing backers of No Pro are Jan Bubman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. And of course, our friends at Meow Wolf. And with all that done now, without further ado, Matt Dorado of Drunken Devil. Matt, for those who don't live in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, because I think a lot of the people on the L.A. scene, at least, they've heard of Drunken Devil. Yes. But, but for the folks who are listening beyond our shores, mm-hmm. uh, what is Drunken Devil? What is the, the full breadth of, of this oh uh, thing you've made? Well, Drunken Devil is, in its current form, uh, horror-themed nightlife and dining experiences. So it is, on one hand, there's wild quarterly parties that are open bar, very hedonistic, very highly themed uh, with characters that are walking around with a narrative to it. Um, And then we also have dinner parties that are, we actually have one running dinner party, which is to live and dine in LA. Uh, It's my true crime inspired party. Uh, And that's a four course meal with uh, cocktail pairings, uh, free flowing wine, uh, performances, burlesque, magic, marionettes, Everything. So uh, it's all sort of based on. Um, can we do this again? Can we start again? <laughs> no, I'm you're doing s- fine. You're I'm doing, so. I'm so. I'm so. For all- everyone listening, I'm so bad at podcasts. <laughs> it takes me a while to warm into it. Well, so I mean, like, so from what? Because uh, I haven't. I haven't seen To Live and Dine, but what I know is that you you pop up characters from L.A. specifically L.A.'s. Yes. History of true yes, crime. Yes, yes. So you get members of the Manson family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Manson now shows up. Uh, Richard Ramirez, mm-hmm. the Night Stalker. Um, you get uh, is, is Elizabeth Elizabeth Short, Short is there. She kicks up. it off with George Hodel, which is yeah. great because I was walking by and I saw that you're in distance to the house. Oh wait, which house? The um, the the Southern House. That George Hodel was in. Do you not know that the oh, is house? That the, is, that the, is that the one? That's... The big murder house, the Franklin Lloyd Wright house. That's right over there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's allegedly where she's buried. Oh really? So and allegedly where his torture dungeon is. Underground. Oh my goodness! Yeah. You oh. didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. I, knew, I, knew I guess that... it takes a certain person to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew I knew that there's up not far from here. There's there's the one that was just like closed forever. So not the not the Franklin Lloyd Wright house, but like. There's another one. The other murder, the Christmas Eve. Yeah, that was yeah, like yeah, preserved yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that one I've that one I visited. You've got a good I've, string of, of murder houses. Oh, we've got here. murder houses. We've got <laughs> creepy. We've got like what was it like? You know, place that Danzig was living for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this 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 part of town is great for like the creepy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't done the tour. Like I was, I was the um, dearly departed. Yeah, I haven't done yeah. the dearly departed. I was fairly obsessed with. Well, that's not that's not the right term. Like there was a summer where I read pretty much uh, all of James Elroy's sort of LA mm-hmm. cycle, like yep. in like a three month span, and those mm-hmm. are not small books. No, I just, no, no. Like, <laughs> absorbed. Them. We've got a lot of that sort of. Uh, we've got a lot of those elements in the Elizabeth Short part of that. So yeah, it's basically broken up into four courses so the it's a it's a timeline so it's elizabeth short and george hodell and that's like the the appetizer so you walk in and you interact with them um and then between each course there's a performance that's tied to the the murder that's inspired so 
you, it's it was a marionette performance and now it's a ballet number for the Black Dahlia. And then you move into the dining room where you have um, Susan Atkins and Charles Manson, uh, and that's the 60s. Uh, for the first course, you actually have Harvey Glattman, who was in the 50s, and he was known as the, the Glamour Girl Slayer, and he would put out ads for girls uh, to model for him, like fetish bondage models, and he would tie them up and then he would kill them, oh, he would rape and kill them and dump Jesus. them in the desert. Uh, yeah, so he's there with one of his victims, um, and then there's a performance, and then you launch into the Manson, the specifically the Sharon Tate murders right. with Susan Atkins and Charles Manson, and then uh, that's the main course, and then there's a performance, and then it ends with the Night Stalker at the very end, and that's the dessert. So <laughs> the Night Stalker like utterly terrified me as a kid because like I was, oh I'm sure yeah, yeah yeah I mean I was I was I was yeah I was like in elementary school and that was going on but like. I was up in the Bay Area, but I lived in the town where, like, because you went up to the Bay Area for a hot minute, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I think I think maybe we were even like living down here when it started or something, and I was like, oh, good, we're in the Bay Area now, and he can't get us, and then as it turns out, it, he was hiding in the town that's on the other side Uh-oh. of my elementary school. So yeah, right? yeah, that's... yeah. <laughs> can't get away from him. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. The whole locking the windows, the doors. It was, it oh, was yeah. crazy, but oh, totally Ch- changed. Ch- changed the way like everyone behaved. Yeah. Like that. It was a combination of that, and then like all the missing kids in the eighties, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the the final death of America's innocence. Yes, um, exactly. We're. So we're we're kind of in the the thematic zone here for starters. Yes. But like, were you always a spooky kid? Uh, oh yes. Yeah. Absolutely. How I grew that, up. How that kick off? I grew up loving Halloween. It was it was my favorite holiday. I actually started in haunts. Mm. That was my my thing. In in high school, I made a haunt in my friend's basement my senior year. They actually left me there to go trick or treating while I was scaring kids and doing that. So I'm, I've always been obsessed with it, going to haunted houses. Um, and then I did that in college. I went to Westmont College, which is a small conservative Christian school. Um, <laughs> so you built a hell house. So I built. I bi- no. Cl- I mean, it was close. We we built we built a haunted house in my dorm, uh, sophomore year, uh, my sophomore year, and then my junior year we did a bigger haunted house. And this was not this was not like very tame. I don't know how I got away with some of this stuff. It was there was an asylum and there was like a slaughterhouse situation, and then it there was like there were clowns. All your sort of traditional haunt right. fair. Um, and then I did for my senior theater project cause I majored in, in theater. My senior project was an off campus haunted house for an LGBT organization that I was volunteering at. So there was a lot of, it was, it was very strange for me to be going to a conservative Christian school and doing all of these things. Yeah. Um, and there's, there was a lot of red tape and there was a lot of drama and it was, it was difficult because during that time. I, I came into my own because that's when I came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I realized like, oh, maybe the church is not for me. <laughs> maybe I should embrace other things that I've been obsessed with for a long time. Yeah. So um, I did that. And then the following year, I opened up the first public haunted house in Santa Barbara. That was in 2013. Um, and it was called The Nightmare House, which is a very original title. Um, and, and that was kind of actually, there was a little bit of immersive theater in there. Um it wasn't like a straightforward. It was very delusions. It was more interactive theater because it was mm. it was linear, but there were characters interacting with it. Baby delusion. It was yeah. very baby delusion. Yeah. Sorry, John. It was baby delusion. <laughs> um, but you were you entered the mind of a killer. So there were there were victims that would come and talk to you and guide you, and you'd have to touch actors and hold them down for a sacrifice. And then it was it was it was, it was cool. Um, but immediately after that, I moved back down to LA. Um, and I started a company in 2014 called Black Magic Creative Arts. I had the best names. They were so original. <laughs> um, 
And we did, we didn't do anything with that company. It was supposed to be very sort of a moody, dark aesthetic, but it had no direction. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then in early 2015, I was out with friends at Villains Tavern in downtown. And I was maybe like six or seven martinis deep. And I was like, I want to, I want to make a haunted house. I want to do other things. And Drunken Devil like came to me. And then that's where that started. So I came up with a name. I came up with an aesthetic, just sort of like jovial devil character. And we did a haunted house in 2015. And that was a nightmare. (laughs) I just realized that haunts in LA are very difficult. And that was before, that was before ghost ship. That was before all of the permitting shit hit the fan. Yeah. Um, and it was still insanely it was, it difficult. Was like, so wait, that was twenty. You said twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. So, so it was still, still like a year, a year out. A so year out. Mm-hmm. Fan. And it was at Think Tank. Yeah. So they were, they were, they had done alone. Yeah. And they had experience, um, and they helped me sort of secure the permits and everything. But it was just so much work, and I lost so much money, and it was so exhausting. Yeah. And uh, we had a bar at the end with burlesque, and everyone loved that. And so I was like, aha, this is. This is interesting. I have characters in the bar. There was burlesque. There was tarot readers and magicians and like craft cocktails. And I was like, let's take this and then like drop it into a like a party scenario and right. see where that goes. Yeah. Because there's you know everyone does a Halloween party, but can you do like year round spooky parties? We'll find out. Yeah. And that's where that's where I am. Well, and, and in LA, the answer is is, is absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it is it is. It's ironic given our climate that basically Halloween never ends, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like it, it, the nightmare before Christmas couldn't have been born out of any other culture than right. Burbank. Yes, right? exactly. You know, yeah, like yeah, Burbank yeah. is Halloween town. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Burton is Jack Skellington. And mm-hmm. pretty much as soon as Halloween ends, like someone f- you know, starts the countdown to next Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's not even a joke. That is something yeah. people legit do that. And Halloween, you know, like. With the with the summer conventions and everything, that's that's when Halloween really kicks in. Yeah, you know, it's it is year round, but that's when. Yeah. So we're we're in the middle of we're recording this on like September seventeenth. So even, and it's haunt season. It's haunt season. Mm-hmm. It's full on. You mm-hmm. know, like the big one. The what? Uh, yeah, Universal just opened up mm-hmm. uh, this past weekend. It was great. Dark Harbor's about to mm-hmm. to not opens this week. Yeah. No, it's all it's it's all happening. Um, with with the parties with, with the mm-hmm. core parties, um. What's your process like on that? So does it start with the venue or does it start with the idea? Because I know you've done like a Mardi Gras, you know, Bloody mm-hmm. Gras. Yeah. So a Mardi Gras themed timed mm-hmm. one. Uh, you do the Halloween timed one. Mm-hmm. What's, what's yeah, how's, how's it come together? Well, originally it was, let's just do parties when we can. Yeah. Um, but... 2017, after my first Bloody Gras, we do a Bloody Gras every year. Um and it's sort of evolved since that first one. But in 2017, excuse me, I started thinking more about Drunken Devil and the character and the brand and what what I want it to be. Do I want it to just be like a party series or do I want it to be an entire world with different characters and different stories? And, you know, being someone that's always been creative and always been a storyteller, I decided to sort of write my own universe. And so in 2017, we started... Um, exploring the the first round of the universe, which is the Sinful Seven. So the Sinful Seven is based off of the Seven Deadly Sins, and it introduces seven characters uh, that are in the Drunken Devil's world. So seven mortals throughout history that have decided to sell their soul 
to the devil, the drunken devil. So I think he went to the first, he went to curse. Yeah. Curse of the jungle. That was was Tiki Tiki. one. Yeah. And that was about uh, an explorer, Dr. Washburn, who was like a, a shadowy Indiana Jones who represented greed. So he was, you know, pillaging temples and stealing artifacts that should have gone to museums, but he was selling them on the black market. And he brought a cursed idol to a tiki bar to give to the bar's owner. And that's what caused everyone to, to go insane, the curse of the, of the idol. Mm. So that was greed. And then we explored wrath last Halloween with a cult leader in modern day. And then the next bloody gras was lust. And it was a, a vampire coven in Storyville, new Orleans, the red light district in 1910 ish. And then this last one was vanity, which was a really vain film director in uh, the seventies, Los Angeles. So we did a grindhouse themed party. And this next one, which is Bacchanalia, explores gluttony because Caligula, I think, is like the ultimate glutton, not just in food, but in drink and sex. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of exploring that. I've, I, in 2017, after Bloody Gras, I came up with this idea and I sort of started fleshing it out through the parties. And I didn't really, I kind of knew where it was going, but I didn't really. And the, I, the characters would just start coming to me. And I've always wanted to have this like, world with icons you know again going back to the haunt stuff queen mary has their icons uh universal studios orlando has their like horror nights icons that i grew up like watching and obsessing over i've always wanted to have like a like a team of of villains so to speak that represented parties um so by next year by summer next year we would have finished the seven we're gonna do sloth for next bloody gras and then envy which is a really tricky one to put into a party but that one's gonna be cool next summer um and then it'll culminate next halloween with a big sort of sinful seven celebration and then we'll see where the series goes from there so that's about as far as i've gotten in my in my world i mean that's 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 a lot of world building yeah 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 that's not that's a a small amount there when you're so you've you've got your your roadmap thematically Mm -hmm. um then what comes together? Like find the space, the performers. We find like, the space. We. Uh, I'm kind of got a troop of performers going. Basically, I, some some folks you turn to on a regular yeah, basis, yeah, yeah. like Mikey and mm-hmm. and who will be Caligula. Yeah. In this oh, he's be so. Oh, Mikey yeah. is going to be Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. So I do have like a like a there's like ten or so that I'll that I'll either work with often or sort of pick from a pool because they you know everyone there's like that immersive actor crowd right that yeah. everyone is working with because they're also good so I, I pull from them um, a lot of them have been in many of the shows um, and then I pick my perform a lot of the burlesque performers I work with on like this the same ones I'll work with on different projects just because they're they're flexible they often create numbers for the theme which is really cool um, and then it's about finding a DJ finding a space um, a lot of times the space is like the last thing I find because I have this concept and then I have to sort of go to venues and see where it's all underground too. I mean, it's, you know, for one night parties, it's very, very tough to quote, follow the rules and stuff. But we, you know, we find venues that are, that are open to it and willing to, to go the extra mile for us. And cause they're, they're fun events, you know, we have to, you know, we, it's cause it is somewhat of a, of a warehouse party. It's like a, who was I, ta- I think I was talking to Juliet a while mm-hmm. ago, and it was a haunted house meets vaudeville meets warehouse party. So there's elements of all of those in these parties. Um, and then we, we build the world and we let it rip. Would it be easier if there was like a, a, a couple of go-to venues 
for putting this stuff together? I mean, is how 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 much of a barrier is the the location to getting things done? Not as difficult as one would think. Um, almost all of the venues that I've worked with were my first choice because mm. um, a lot of them do understand that like getting all of these ridiculous permits is a, is a process. And they, they also are like, no, just do it. Like, it's fine. And I, I tell them the crowd, I tell them the, the ticket prices def. It's not like a $5, $10 ticket. It's not, it's not a cash bar. You know, it's a very, it's sort of a, we, we like to carry our audience and there's no way to do that, but to have a higher ticket price, you know? Yeah. Um, and we do that. On but it's also, it's not for a for an open bar scenario. It's not a astronomical price. It's actually really not bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went out a couple of weeks ago and I looked at the tab and I was like, "This is very close to what one of my parties <laughs> is." And I just went out for drinks. Yeah. You know, it's not as it's not as shocking as people think once they get there and then they you know have four or five six drinks. Yeah. Because it truly is like an open bar, free flowing yeah. situation. You're encouraged to go back to the bar when your drinks are done. Um, but n- venues have never really had an issue with it. Yeah. We've never had any sort of any problems. Which is cool. When you when you started doing uh to live and dine, mm-hmm. um what was the what was the impetus there? And and was it just a desire to kind of like, okay, doing the boozy parties, let's see if we can do some dinner theater types? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to do a dinner. I've always wanted to do some sort of separate underground supper club experience. I've always wanted to go to a scary one. <clears throat> so I was thinking about what I could do. And that was the first one was for uh, Think Tank's exhibit last year, the Drink and Smoking West yeah, Coasting. Yeah. Because uh, it was sort of like an LA situation. That's actually where it started. It was like, I want to do. A horror dinner that's somehow has to be tied into Los Angeles. What am I going to do? And then like a few hours later, it's like true crime. Let's find some of the prominent killers. Let's write a show about them. Yeah. Uh, and that's where it started. Did you think you were going to be like touring that one essentially? Because it will remounting it over and over again once you had it? Or? I didn't think that. Yeah. It, it was just such a huge success the first time. Like it sold out. People loved it. I was afraid of the con. Like I was genuinely nervous that the content was going to turn some people off because it's not a it's not a light show right it is like you are interacting with these characters and they are some of them are funny and there are moments of you know levity i guess but it's it's a very dark show and some of the especially now that we've added charles manson it gets it goes down to some really dark levels yeah um but people just eat it up. And I think that's also a reflection of like where our society is in terms of true crime and in terms of escapism. A lot of people mm. are obsessed with those podcasts and obsessed about hearing stories because it takes them, just like any horror and why I think horror is making a, a really big comeback is that people want to escape into other people's horrors, whether or not they're true. Mm. Um, I think that's, especially now, you know, we're living a true a true horror story right now. Um, like it's a, like it's a way of of sort of taking a little of the poison to like become stronger or or it's a weird release because like I think it's a weird I think I think it's a weird release because yeah. seeing some of the people that that attend um, for instance our Halloween party last year mm-hmm. it was you were in a cult uh, a cult was throwing a Halloween party and at the end of this someone had to die one of some one of the guests was going to die. It turns out that one of the cult members wanted out. You learn that through interacting with the characters. At the end, they 
lobotomized him with a pickaxe and brought him out. I mean, he had like blood coming out of his eye and then he got stabbed in the back in front of everybody. And the cheers from people like, kill him, kill the motherfucker. It was insane. So I think people are really looking for some sort of release. Huh. It was, it was almost terrifying. Yeah. The well, mob mentality. Well, there. that's like, that's like, what was it? Uh, I've never been to, to Knott's, but they used to do maybe, maybe even up to recently, maybe they still do it. Like there's a there was one the hanging. Night, the hanging. Mm-hmm. They still do it. Yeah, classic. Which is just like disturbing. <laughs> like it really, is. really, it's like we get a whole bunch of people, particularly a whole bunch of people in Orange County. Hey, let's hang an let's effigy hang. of somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, find the find the pop culture figure that we hate the most this year. Yeah, and then we'll kill them in yeah. front of everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Just a little dark. It's a little dark, but you know. I love a little dark. Yeah. Well, it's also, <laughs> I, I flash to like, what was it? The the episode of South Park where, um, you know, what was it? The Britney Spears one where they like, that sort of like, not children of the corn, but a little bit of it. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh God, it's it's old. It's like from like the, I think it's like around the 90s or maybe early aughts. And that show's been on for like 97 years now, right? Right, right, right. And just, it was about, it basically was about like pop stars and really young parps, pop stars and how they like had to fit a narrow mold. I think it was the year that Britney was going, 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 going crazy. Going mm-hmm. crazy. And this whole idea was that society was like tearing her apart on purpose mm-hmm. and like driving her insane for like the benefit of. And at the end of it, the talk was like, oh, "Look, like we got a good crop. Like next, like yeah, next yeah, year. yeah, like, yeah. The yeah. whole idea was like we're going to sacrifice the celebrity so that the crops are, mm-hmm, are good. Mm-hmm. It was it was weirdly like like it, in their heyday they were. So good at mixing like mythology and right, 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 and you know, really cutting cultural observation, um, and yeah, this sense of like, I mean, I guess at the heart of it, right? That's that's what the particularly the Greek line of drama is all about is about mm-hmm. catharsis, yeah, right, yeah, about yeah. creating that scapegoat and getting mm-hmm. that energy out, and particularly if a society is as charged up and as mm-hmm. anxious as mm-hmm. ours is, yeah, yeah. I can see that being why the the oh, yeah. is back because because on the, at least on the movie side, I mean, horror is bigger than ever. oh yeah 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 and lo, and in some ways like in a low rent's the wrong word but like in like low budget mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like just like it's it's the one thing that the studios can crank out and make a massive profit mm-hmm. at and we we see everything from like you know the purge to get out mm-hmm. in the same studio yep. even yeah and I mean Drunken Devil was. When I when I first created it, I wanted to do something different. I really wanted to base it off of this idea of escapism. This was I mean, before you know the election. This yeah. was when I was like, I just want people to have fun, and I want them to be able to leave the world that they're in now, um, and just you know drink a little bit, have a little bit of fun, not feel ashamed to to cheer or laugh uh, or dance. Um, and then that it became incredibly apparent that like they needed it more than ever after the election. Like Bloody Gras was such a release in 2017. Mm-hmm. Like I saw it. It was it was it was really cool to see. But then, you know, the more the more the darker I get, the more I see that there's a little bit there's a little bit deeper of a release that needs to to come out, which is weird for a producer to see, mm-hmm. especially with Live and Dine. Like that is that is an interesting show. Um, you know, and we try to make it like like at the end. You there's a there's a the speech. Richard Ramirez makes a speech, um, and then they all all the all the the killers and the victims come out and they like break into a song and dance, which is very like Ryan Murphy of me. But 
it needed I needed to alleviate it, but I did not expect so many people throughout to just be loving it and cheering for the killers and cheering it was it was it's a weird experiment weird hmm. social experiment do you, do you find yourself then like sort of tacking to where the audience is because I mean at the heart of like you're making entertainments right right so like what what things have you found yourself putting in the shows that you didn't expect when you started or or if not putting in then dialing up I think what what I do is what the story always has been is because when it was like the Elizabeth short portion is very sort of because not a lot you don't no one really knows that much about Elizabeth Short and the Black yeah. Dahlia situation. You know that she was found and you know no one knows who killed her and there's a whole sort of like Los Angeles mythology about that. So for that portion I really wanted to sort of talk about through these through the through the characters and through the script like the tragedy of the of the LA starlet or mm-hmm. the LA someone coming to Los Angeles to chase their dreams and then ending up in a ditch. Like I I I'm fascinated by that sort of st- idea you yeah. know it's the it's the city of angels the city of dreams and so many people are broken because yeah. of this of this town yeah i mean and the dahlia is like the the full physical manifestation of that right yeah. i mean that's what mm-hmm. like people because like people metaphorically wind up in a ditch all the time right but yeah exactly it's really happening yeah. and then for harvey glattman it's a situation where it's him and his one of his victims who is a 19 year old single mother Oof. who was he her name was judy and dull and she responded to an ad he tied her up, he took pictures of her, and then he said, I'm going to rape and kill you. So he raped her, and then he drove her out to the desert and said, okay, I'm going to let you go. But he didn't. He just raped her again, oh, and God. then killed her, and then left her there. And there's pictures of him leading the police when he when he was caught and like revealing her bones. Like It's, it's dark. It's yeah. dark. But I wanted to build that... Um, that relationship that they had and give Judy like a voice because in, in that scene, she ends up sort of overpowering Harvey um, just in their dialogue. She kind of just steamrolls him and exposes him to the audience, like what he is. Um, And then, before Charles Manson died, the Susan Atkins, because it was just her. Right. Cause, cause you, you, made a point I think and it was like always being it was it was the ghost so it was everyone it's everyone that's dead yeah everyone's yeah. dead because yeah, yeah. I remember when you added Charles Manson it was like only after he was dead he was like yep. well, guess you know, almost like one of the first things on social media I saw from you was like well guess he's in the next yep. yeah, yeah. live and dying yep. yeah and when he it, when it was just Susan Atkins it was it was it was less of a like there, obviously she was by herself there was no major dialogue to happen yeah. um, but she sort of told the story of what happened to them uh, and sort of like the drugs that they took, and it, she made it a little bit more of like a like a fun thing. But when he came into the picture, I sort of changed the narrative to where I showed her as being manipulated. Because um, even though she did all these horrible things, there is a part of me that's like, you know, she was very young when she was, you know, adopted into his family, oh, yeah. and then all of the drugs and all of the, you know, all the sex that must have been going on, and ev- all the brainwashing, like. There has to be some like, it's such a gray area. But were, was she a victim? Was she? Was, yeah. Who knows? Well, I mean, that's the, the, like, because the cycle, right? I mean, it's, exactly. it's really. I mean, it's it's really interesting. I was. I've been sometimes I've like dig down into some some stories and court cases and whatnot for the day job, and like the the amount of evidence and understanding we have about 
the kinds of things that happen when you're young and mm-hmm. how it imprints imprints you. Mm-hmm. And particularly everything we know about sexual abuse mm-hmm. often comes from, you know, a cycle of abuse yep. happens. So like someone's abused and they mm-hmm. become an abuser. Yeah. And it's on and on and on, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And when you see like a cult situation like mm-hmm. the the Manson family, like it's it's almost like a, a that timeline cranked up. Yeah. Like a crucible of yeah, yep. this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's the kind of thing that in our society right now we can see in in a macro way, like this this need to identify with something, this this mm-hmm. quest to have an identity um, at all costs, and the things people are willing to do in order to right. maintain their position in their chosen tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it it boggles the mind sometimes. Yeah. Like you you don't think that people could do that or would do that. And yet we know that a combination of, you know, a little slippery slope Mm -hmm. and just that, that conditioned need. I mean, we need other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's something to that. So that, you know, that, that portion gets really dark. And then I end it with, because Richard Ramirez was just absolutely insane and, and horrifying. Yeah. So it it wraps up very nicely. The, The story wraps up very nicely. Um, but you're left with far more questions than answers. And hopefully the questions are about yourself, mm. you know, and that's what I want people to, but also it, it's, it's tough because at the same time, these people are like very drunk and very full and very happy because they had a great meal and yeah. a lot of alcohol. But I've, I talked to a few people who went to the last one and they were like, I was thinking about it all night. I don't know why I was so, invested in some of the killers like i wanted them to i was rooting for them i was like well check yourself <laughs> because that's weird <laughs> that's weird um time for therapy you know yep yep just a little <laughs> bit dark maybe uh yeah maybe look introspection is needed is it is it tough though to like um well is it tough to get this theatrical stuff across to like drunk people and feeding people? I mean, I know the times I've gone to a piece where food wasn't just a little thing, but a major thing. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it can be just uncomfortable having someone like emote in front of you while you're trying to like get down a piece of beef Wellington or something like that. Fortunately we have the like very heavy scripted parts in the transitions. Yeah. Like, like Charles Manson is not screaming at the table during like dinner. Yeah. Like it's, they, they clear the plates and then there's dialogue and then a performance. They're, the transitions between characters are very smooth. Yeah. Um, but you know, they are at the table at all times and they are interacting with you. And like Harvey will like be talking to uh, a guest and he'll be, you know, in her ear and being like, you look like I want to take your picture. Maybe you should come to my studio while they're, while they're eating a salad. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's weird, but it, it works. Yeah. Somehow people are really into it. Yeah. You know? Well, the, the literally flirting with danger. Right? Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah, like not real danger, but you know, yeah, and, and not real flirting, but right, kind yeah. of really, yeah, yeah. But then yeah. you know, like during the during the meal part, the the dining part, all of them are their sort of charismatic selves. You know, Richard Ramirez and and Charles Manson did have elements of charisma. You see that. You know, that's why Charles Manson had the Manson family, and that's why Richard Ramirez had people like a fan club, and still does. You know, they were they had elements of charm and you know, dare I say, sophistication to them. And so they, my actors really do a good job of playing that up and luring the guests into sort of a 
a false sense of security. And then when the, when the time comes for the, the really meaty dialogue, it, it does sometimes catch people off guard, but mm. we, we try to keep a healthy balance of not refilling the wine glasses too often. And you only get one cocktail per course, uh, because they're potent cocktails. So yeah. they won't want you to, to get too drunk. No, <laughs> but then at the very, you know, at the very end, after all is said and done, we, we bust out the champagne and just let people go to town. So. Yeah. How long is one of these things? Like, the dinners run about three hours. Yeah. It's a three-hour experience. That's, but then, you know, people will stay for another three hours after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And the, the main parties are about five or six hours. So. What's your, what's your ambition here? What do you, you've got, you've got the shows that are coming up, the parties that are coming up. But, mm-hmm. like, what's, what's, what's your hope? I know that you've, you've transitioned full-time into working in this world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what's what's the goal there's so many <laughs> i think you know we definitely want to keep doing the parties and they've been a really good um sort of calling card for us for private events mm. um we're starting to get more traction with, with with people looking to hire us for parties looking to hire us for brand experiences um so we're getting there you know that's i think will be the way we sort of sustain that element of it the dining is always going to be, I think, you know, we're, we're doing live and dine. We want to do live and dine in new Orleans, mm. in new Orleans. We want to take that sort of live and dine concept where we explore famous serial killers and their victims and the sort of lore behind that. And we want to take it to like different cities. We want to do Chicago. We want to do New York. So that's, you know, that we're going to hopefully do that next year. We're looking at opening up drunken devil studios, which will be like short form, film and content that tells sort of more stories of the characters and we just want to sort of grow the brand into beyond the parties we want it to be like these characters we want these characters to have whole backstories you know i've written pages and pages of these of this universe and i sort of just want to keep exploring it and see where it goes from there eventually we want to do another haunt because that's you know in my blood and i love that but it's gonna take it's it's it takes a lot of planning and it takes a lot of a lot of hard work that I don't know if I'm willing to do yeah. quite yet. Well, particularly because, you know, here, even the home haunts are incredibly elaborate mm-hmm. affairs, right? Yeah. So, like, if you, if you step up, particularly if you've got a brand that's going on, if you step in and say, we've got a haunt this year. It's it like, has to be, yeah. Yeah, the expectation gets high. Yeah, where the one-night parties, you know, they're, they're great quality, but everyone understands that it's a one-night pop-up. We're not going to be spending crazy amounts of money on scenic you know it is at the very core it is still like an underground warehouse party yeah that's just jazzed up a little bit with live entertainment and performances but you know a haunt is something that i do want to do down the road and i have ideas when i was you know when i was a teen i wanted to have like big haunted house festivals with like multiple haunted houses and a dance floor and a beer garden and stuff like that and you know that's where i see sort of more of the consumer facing side of drunken devil like evolve the parties and mix them with haunts. So down the line, you know, years from now, there could be like a big haunt party thing, festival, haunt cella. Yeah. As, I, as I, <laughs> I'm like thinking about it in my head, yeah. but you know, and like, you know, there's so many options with the characters and bringing their various themes in and exploring different themes and sort of changing aesthetic every year. And these, you know, the characters are, are not going away. I just want them to be more prominent, I guess so. 
yeah, I don't really know where it's going, but I just want all of these, all of these characters and these, this world to be explored more. Do you feel like you're following your muse with this? Yeah. It sort of seems that way. It's my baby. Yeah. You know, like I've always wanted to have a, a, a brand and a company and I didn't know it would be this. But as soon as I, as soon as, even after the, the first haunt and the failure, I was like, I can't let this go. Like there's something about this brand that is so like me. It mm. is so very much my vibe. You know, I love I love throwing dinner parties at my apartment and I love having people over and I love entertaining and I love haunted houses and I love party or, you know, nightlife. And I love anywhere from going out to, to Clifton's and watching burlesque to going to a warehouse party. And I love it all. And so this is my little baby. That's hopefully will just sort of encapsulate all of my passions and in, in one. All right. Yeah. Bacchanalia is up next. Yes, it is. What can folks expect from this one? This is, <laughs> And is there going to be a horse? So. There, there, we are looking at getting a horse statue. There will not be an actual horse, but there will very likely be a horse statue. Um, so it's very tough to do like an ancient Roman party without it be a toga party. Right. No one, want, no one wants that. No one wants a toga party. Uh, no one. Um, if I see a toga at the door, I will turn them away. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, it says it right in the, it's, on the It says the it. Thing. Do not yeah. wear a toga. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to go a little bit more like conceptual and surreal with this so it's gonna be think about if if ancient rome met eyes wide shut with a little bit of like dark fetish okay you would get bacchanalia so there's gonna be there's a lot of wine there's some really great liquor brands that are coming on board for as partners um there's gonna be a really cool narrative um and that's the thing about our parties, too. You don't have to be involved with the narrative to enjoy them. It's an extra added element. Um, and it obviously like helps when the big ending occurs. But a lot of people don't really engage. They just go for the drinks and the burlesque and the magic, and they have a good time. But the narrative will be sort of... It's, not, it's in no way supernatural. It's very political, and it's... You know, you have to choose sides and, you know, there's a there's a potential plot to overthrow the emperor and you can, it, the more characters you talk to, you get more of the story and there's a big bloody ending. Um, there's magicians, roaming magicians. One of them is actually does a really cool uh, magic act where he takes you away to a dark room and there's some sort of weird occult stuff that goes on. Um, we have some great burlesque acts. Um I'm looking at wine fountains for self-serve wine fountains. <laughs> I got to look on my face that's like I mean, cho- chocolate fountains are dodgy enough as it is. Like but can wine. you imagine just like a central wine fountain? Obviously you can get your fresh wine at the bar. But who I would I would put my glass under a wine fountain. Maybe? No. I, I probably mean, No. I, not <laughs> at the beginning of the party yet. Maybe, yeah, maybe, exactly. Maybe, maybe not the end. Yeah, of the party. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The party. Nah, maybe not so An much. hour in, we'll take it out. Yeah, but um, <laughs> people should expect just like unchecked hedonism in a very controlled environment. <laughs> um, we don't want anyone going too crazy, obviously. Um, but it is it is a different type of event that we normally do. Everything is, I I guess you could say a little bit more like. I mean, this is theatrical too, but it's a little bit more like whimsical. Right. You know, there's a lot more like like Bloody Gras is very like period, nineteen twenties, nineteen ten. There's a lot of frivolity and it's very fun. Yeah. Um 
Curse of the Jungle Drums is very sort of kitschy, oh, totally. tiki, very yeah. sort of fun and quirky. This is very dark. and ve- I mean, it is a Halloween party. Yeah. But it's very, it's much more conceptual. The costumes are very modern. Um, I don't want anyone, no one, and even my actors should not be, like, no one should be wearing togas. Yeah. In this, so yeah. we're doing some more like modern conceptual costuming. People in Rome should have been wearing togas. Let's just be honest. Togas, togas really, should never have been. A thing. To, yeah, togas never. In the history of all humanity. Togas, togas are bad. Togas, togas are terrible. Yeah, you know. But it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. It's definitely a, an experiment for me. Um, just going far more, far more. Far darker and just far more serious, but again, it is a party, so there will be. It's <laughs> dark, serious, but it's a party. But it's so, a party. Yeah, but it's a party. But the yeah. the narrative in itself is definitely a lot more. It's darker, and there are sort of more. a little bit politically relevant, and putting a little bit of of current politics in there. So you know the the Mad King yeah. sort of situation. Hard not to do these days. Exactly. So, yeah. It's yeah. gonna be fun. Um, October thirteenth. Try to keep it away from Halloween yeah. as much as I can because that weekend is just, there's so much going on. And oh. also, there's a shift in, in people and everyone just goes crazy. Yeah. Halloween. <laughs> yeah. It goes off the rails. Yeah. Well, Matt, congratulations on the continued success of Drunken Devil. And we're looking forward to Bacchanalia. Thank you. And uh, if people want to find you, how do they how do they connect? Yes, there's uh, you can visit our website. It's thedrunkendevil.com. Don't forget the the. Don't forget it because you will be directed to a porn site immediately. No, <laughs> not a joke. Um, unless you want to, I guess. Um, on Instagram, we're thedrunkendevil. On Twitter, we are drunkendevil underscore. And on Facebook, you can just search drunkendevil. Um, tickets for Bacchanalia are on sale now. They're going fast. Um but yeah, we've got a lot more coming down the pipeline, so I'm excited about it. Well, groovy. Well, yeah. hopefully we'll... Uh, this is overdue, and so yes. hopefully we'll do this again. Yes, thank you so much. Once again, I want to thank Matt Dorado for swinging by the house and being our guest on the show this week. Again, you can find The Drunken Devil at... TheDrunkenDevil.com. Okay. Um, hey, my uh, my brain's kind of empty this week because uh, it's been a long one. Uh, there's just been a lot of work. <laughs> um, it, it's good to be busy. It's really good to be busy. I'm super excited about uh, about Marissa and Tara coming out. Uh, that's going to be great. Um, uh, you know, I get uncomfortable when it comes to talking about money, but, um, frankly, uh, it's, if, if I was, if I was looking to get the, the training, uh, I would be chomping at the bit for this one. Uh, this one's really, really special. Um, Gosh, what else is there to talk about in, in the great wide? Um, there's a couple of announcements that are, are kind of like sitting um, that, that, you know, until, until some ink is dry, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything. Uh, but there's some, some exciting stuff, uh, going on. Um, like I really do just want to like talk to you all about it. Um, uh, quarterly backers, uh, the vast majority of you, uh, got sent something this past weekend. Uh, the rest of you, you're going to get something this weekend. Uh, I got a, a scurry for things. Um, there's, there's a couple of, couple of, uh, T's I got across, I's I got a dot. Um, yeah, uh, 
it just feels like housekeeping right now. I mean, we're cranking up spooky season, you know, knots open to the media last night. Uh, I wasn't there, but you know, we'll probably bring Juliet on to like talk about stuff soon. Uh, I think she went there for a wee like LA or maybe for LAist. Um, she went to universal for us. Uh, sinister point is coming up. Um, there's uh, theater macabre, uh, creep is about to open up. Uh, I'm seeing the witch tonight, which isn't exactly spooky season. Um, there's, there's, Boof, boof, boof. There's just there's just a ton. Um, this this is like five full time jobs right now. Um, Leia is is moving along. There's some there's some legal stuff that we've got to get buttoned down. Uh, but we're way closer to buttoning that down. So everything's everything is just like you know happens all at once. Slash, we get behind on everything because everything's going all the time. It's like the world's on fire. Oh wait, the world is on fire. Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. This is usually the part of the show where like I go on a monologue of some kind, but, um, there's too much work to be done to do that. And I'm just tired, <laughs> uh, but I'm happy. I'm actually, yeah, like you can hear it in my voice. Like I am, I'm definitely pleased with uh, how things are going. Um, I don't want to, I better knock on wood. There we go. <laughs> Warding off evil. Um, Cause there's always going to be evil afoot, but um, yeah. Uh, what's on your mind? You know, we don't talk anymore. Uh, no, that's not true. Uh, you can always uh, hit us up. Uh, the best way is on Twitter or there in the, the pages of Everything Immersive, uh, which is our Facebook group. Uh, you know, let us know what's going on. Oh, there's a thing. Just just an EI note. Um, we, we had to do some, like, reminding everybody to, like, you know, one, one show, one thread uh, thing. Uh, this is not just to be arbitrary and punitive. Um, it's, it's to fight the algorithm. And to make sure that uh, nobody just starts spamming the page. Um, because once you get a group to a certain size, uh, people don't know each other. So that's one thing. And people just like treat it like, I'm just going to drop stuff. And like, yeah, we remove things. And there's there's actually one show that drops, one event that drops in some time that is not immersive at all that people like, you know, told me, oh, this isn't really immersive. And so like they drop it in and then I just yank it automatically. I don't even think they notice. Um I don't care. Uh, there's not enough time to care. Uh, and then um, when when I go and I remove something and tell someone, hey, put it in your original show thread, like, you know, you don't have to take it. Don't take it personally. It's just like plenty of people do it. You know, folks don't read the rules. Uh, please read the rules. I know they're long. I don't like rules either, you know, but if you're going to have a little society, you got to have rules. You got you to gotta have sort of the, the ground rules. There you go. The, by which everyone... Um, you know, plays because it's not like hot lava monsters. I mean, everyone knows how to play hot lava monsters. It's something that all children are uh, born with kind of like the way kittens know how to use a litter box. Humans know how to play hot lava monsters. And that's pretty much the only thing we know how to do instinctively. Okay. Like we, we know how to eat. I mean, Babies don't even know how to use a litter box. I mean, come on. Like, humans are dumb. Kittens do. Babies don't. Um, a, friend, a friend is toilet training their cat, and I was like, my God, this is elaborate, uh, which is why that's on my mind. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we have to have, we have to articulate the rules. So there you go. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's it. Not a very exciting end of the show. 
Sorry. Uh, next week on the show, uh, we've got a couple of things in the can, but you know what? I think I can say right now, we're going to have uh, Adam Avramati and Marley Delia of uh, Shine On Collective. They're going to be our guests on the show next week. And uh, then next, the week after that, I think we're going to have something from New York uh, that just came in last night. So we're, we're sailing along uh, here on the show. Do check out the website. There's so much on the website and you're missing out if you don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's it. I'm boring this week. I'm often boring, but we knew that. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Mark Baltazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth, and of course, our friends at Meow Wolf. I'm Noah Nelson. Uh, you can find us at No Persinium on Twitter, at No Persinium on Facebook, at No underscore Persinium on Instagram, where Catherine does an amazing, amazing job. You really should follow us on Insta. Um, and uh, we're at nofrasinium.com, of course. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>